Hey there, I'm Mike. Some of you know me from the Twisted Cape. Some of you know me because I ball so hard motherfuckers want to find me. But regardless of how you know me, you know I love comics. And that's what we talk about on this podcast. Welcome to Mike's Fifth Stacks. Oh, hell yeah, everyone. Welcome to the show, recording this week at the Console Gaming Crew Headquarters. Thanks, y'all. Before we get started, a couple of things about last episode. I realized I gave no ratings last time. I'll fix that this week. Uh, also, Justice League Dark released last week, and uh, but I was missing a few issues and was catching up. So it'll be included next time for sure. Uh, we're about to talk comics that released Wednesday, March 11th, 2020. As always, we start by rating the thickness of my stack. Uh, this week is about a 7 out of 10. It's damn thick, close to maximum capacity thickness. Uh, but full disclosure, I'm going to start adding books, uh, so a week like this may reach peak th- thickness in the future. All right, so this last time we started with DC, so this time we will start with Marvel. I'm going to start with Amazing Spider-Man number 41. Uh, this is called True Companions, the story arc. It starts in this, sh- in this issue, if I could speak. Uh, the cool thing about this is it focuses on specifically Spider-Man and his brand new roommate. Well, not that new anymore, but uh, his, his new roommate, <laughs> Boomerang, um, who's kind of irritating, but he seems like, to me, Marvel's Kite Man, which is um, both hilarious and annoying, but also hilarious. Um, so they start out fighting a in a sewer. A bunch of vermin, if you remember uh, from the 80s storyline, the giant man rat, um, which is just wild to look at. Uh, it just quickly recaps some of their, their history together, and you get a, a little bit of a uh, <laughs> a weird rundown of backstory from, from Boomerang, which is uh, dumb, real dumb. Uh, and then it actually kind of talks about this uh, tablet that Kingpin is looking for that Boomerang has uh, magical knowledge of because he was imbued with it by Dr. Strange. Um, And Kingpin obviously wants that information. So he's hunting Boomerang almost mercilessly, which causes Boomerang and Spider-Man to team up, uh, which is just delightful. Uh, The banter that goes back and forth there is is hysterical. And uh, obviously... um, Kingpin is looking for this tablet because he he wants Vanessa. Uh, so <laughs> Vanessa is his long lost wife. I shouldn't joke about that. I mean, she did. Uh, but either way, uh, <laughs> you know, the, the vermin horde runs away and uh, both Boomerang and Spider-Man are met with a giant monster at the end. And then there's a tiny backup story at the very, very end um, where we get the Lethal Legion um, forming again, starting to put some things together. So I'm curious to see how that plays out in the future. I would give this, uh, we'll do the rating system out of five, just like we did on, on the website. I'll give this like a four out of three and a half, four out of five. I mean, it's a fun issue. Um, it's not the best issue that I've read, but I always look forward to this book because it's just silliness and reminds me why I love comic books. Uh, next we're going to move to, uh, Avengers 32. Um, and this is called Earth's Mightiest Villains. And basically, the the story that this is is assembling uh, a bunch of villains, as clearly indicated by the title. So we get um, some story with Namor. He's drinking at a bar, and a bartender convinces him to start working with other villains. 
Uh, we get Dracula, who is uh, quarantined in Russia, just like us. Hey! Uh, and uh, he... Uh, Chernobyl, as a matter of fact. And his subordinates convince him to start working with other villains. Uh, and then there is this uh, Russian super team. I believe they're called the Red Guard. Um, and their butler convinces them... Uh, suggests and it winds up convincing them uh, and by them I mean Red Widow um, to start working with uh, other villains Um, and then we get some actual stuff with the actual Avengers Uh, Black Widow is trying to convince um, Blade and uh, Boy Thing the the boy version of Man Thing uh, (laughs) rides around on his shoulder which is probably one of my favorite ridiculous things uh, to to stick around and see on the Avengers Um, and then we get a little little piece of <laughs> Iron Man and Thor uh, playing with a baby, which is ridiculous, and I love it. Uh, and then it moves back to the villains, who we get this uh, this play with resurrected Coulson, who is um, leading the Squadron Supreme, who is basically like a like a kind of a weird version of the Justice League with Hyperion and and uh, Alman and a bunch of other heroes like that but they have like this this shade of gray to them that's not <laughs> with not present with the avengers or with the justice league uh and then at the very end we find out that mephesto is the one that's been pulling all these strings and pulling all these villains together um and the the very last thing in the issue is that namor is summoning the phoenix out in space uh to help lay waste to the avengers um good issue um, I didn't expect something like this because I know the next story arc starts with my boy Moon Knight. Uh, shout out Alex! I know you. I know you look forward to that shit too. Um, and and he's like significantly powered up, so I didn't expect an issue like this right before that story arc kicked off. Um, give it a, a good a good three. It was maybe two and a half. Um, it's kind of a filler issue, um, but if if it pays off later. You know, I, th- I think it could be more significant later on down the road. Uh, in this uh, next comic, I have Immortal Hulk number thirty-two, um, and after I mean this this book is consistently good and weird, um, but in the best possible ways. Um, it's kind of a horror comic in general, the way that it's it's written and drawn. Um, at the end of the last issue, um, Zenmu um, who, who has brainwashed pretty much the world into thinking he's the Hulk and, and Banner is not. Um, and he, he's working with Roxxon and, uh, Dario Agar, who's, uh, basically walking around full time as a Minotaur now. It's fucking weird. Um, but it works. Um, he's, he's just trying to out Hulk Hulk. He's trying to do whatever he can, but he's clearly evil. He, in this issue, his body just consumes, uh, a dude he just consumes him, just eats him. Um, and then towards the end of the issue, um, the doctor that's hanging around, um, her name is Charlene, hanging around at um, the, the Gamma base, um, starts to realize that she's not, she's one of the only people who remembers Hulk for Hulk. And uh, <laughs> it's it's a little weird. Uh, towards the end here, and uh, Hulk is trying to escape, but Banner won't let him. And then uh, Hulk is then saved by Planet Hulk Hulk. Um, 
which is awesome and is badass, and I kind of want that Hulk to return full-time. Uh, we'll see what happens. Um, it's, a, it's a really offbeat issue, but it's a, definitely an entertaining read. I put that at a 3 out of 5. Um, it's not critical, not crucial, not quite filler, um, but it's it's good to look at. It's, it's The art is just phenomenal in that book. It's always constant. Speaking of great art, we're going to move to Thor number 4. Um, and the last end of the last issue... Um, Thor and Beta Ray Bill are are just whooping the dog shit out of each other. And at the very end of the issue, uh, Sif steps in, um, and she even it, at the start of this issue, um, Thor throws his hammer at Sif, who because she's now taking on Heimdall's role, sends it to Jotunheim where Loki is king. Loki picks up Mjolnir, which is fucking crazy. Um, and then it gets pulled back to Thor. Uh, Thor then sends Sif and, um, and and Bill away and continues to act as Herald for Galactus, all powered up with that cosmic energy in addition to being the, the all-father of Asgard, which is great. Uh, so he acts as Harold, he destroys a few planets, uh, which releases Thor, essentially, from his oath, um, as they prepare to fight this, this black winter, um, together, it's bad, it's real bad, um, because you, for, for as, as far as scale is concerned, this thing makes Galactus look small, which is ridiculous, the, the very last page here. It's just this giant storm, Galactus, who looks like a fucking M&M, and then Thor, like a little speck next to him. So for scale, that's that's going to be insane. Um, again, this book just always looks fantastic. Um, there's some epic splash pages here. One where Thor hits uh, Galactus with some lightning. Um, and the story's pretty good, too, man. Like, you get to understand a few things. There's a whole bunch of teases. I'd give this like a three and a half, four out of five. I enjoyed it. Last Marvel book here, X-Men number eight. Um, so I, the full disclosure, I don't read all the X-Men titles, and I probably will. I'm going to start adding those in here. Um, because this, in particular, um, crosses over with New Mutants a little bit. And I, I admittedly felt a little lost. Um, the New Mutants come back from space, and and uh, Wolfsbane brings back an egg. Um that attracts the brood and they attack earth and uh cyclops and gene uh and havoc um they all try and get this egg off of uh off of earth and back out into space so uh so the brood is drawn away from krakoa the new mutant home um i mean it, it looks this book always looks good too um and it's exciting um, I just feel like it kind of, you know, it, 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 it's jarring if you're not reading all the other books and there's a lot of X books and it can feel overwhelming. Um, I'm looking at the, the back page here and I can count at least seven books. <laughs> and if you need that for the full story of, of this one issue, it's in, in context, it's tough. Um, comics are expensive. I don't know how you, you regularly buy seven X books. Um, but you know, uh, so for that book, I give that a two and a half. 
um, just because of the disorientation factor mainly. But again, that book looks great. Um, I love the characters that Hickman's generally using, but it also might be a little more significant later on. Uh, real quick, I want to tell you about podcasting with a purpose. Uh, as of right now, despite the uh, coronavirus concerns, we're still on for April 18th. Uh, some more information will be coming out next week, for sure, for sure. Uh, so stay tuned for that. Uh, check out uh, our podcast page. Uh, the social page will be act up and active. Check out any of the other podcasts who we'll be cross-promoting as well. Those guys uh, deserve it. They're all awesome shows. All right, and let's flip over to DC, uh, where we look at Batman and the Outsiders. Uh, so the first thing I'm going to say about this is sometimes DC does these covers, and it has nothing to do with what's on the inside, and that's frustrating. Uh, and that is the case in this issue, because on the cover, uh, it looks like Black Lightning's leaving the team, and that never happens <laughs> in this issue. Um, as the, like, There's a big fight that starts... Um, between um, the outsiders and uh, a traitor to their team, Caliber, um, who's basically a mercenary. Um, and it's just, it's really cool because there's a lot of big fights. Um, it's its very action-packed. Um, it, it really, this, this episode was really the buildup of a few uh, issues of, of work before this. Um, between Batman uh, taking in a girl that he was trying to rescue and he sent the outsiders to recover um, as well as, you know, a lot of um, backstory between um, Jefferson Pierce and Katana and uh, Duke Thomas and Cassandra Kane. Um, it, it just, it, it just developed so well. Um, it just I enjoyed this book, and of course we're going to get a whole lot more Rachel Goulas as time goes on. Um, I'm I'm very very excited to see where this book continues to go. So as of right now, I'm going to rate that book at a three and a half because I felt like it ended a little strange. Um, like there's just a giant turtle tank on the very last page, and it's just confusing. So um, it, it's it's hard to tell. Moving on to The Flash number 751, we get the second part of a, of a story called The Flash Age. Uh, this really starts with uh, The Flash and Godspeed going head-to-head here. Um, and, the you know, the the, uh, the character Godspeed has been recruited by uh, a character named Paradox. I think we talked about that last time. I'm not, I don't remember if that was last time or time before uh, that I read that. So, uh, it was only two episodes, so no, couldn't have been. Could have been last time. Uh, so it just basically recaps why Godspeed has speedster powers right up front. Um, and then he explains that he's, he's trying to, to help Barry. Um, and, you know, it, it really goes back and starts to recap some of who Godspeed is and how he used to be a cop and how he went undercover. And then it jumps over to Iris. Uh, who who is at the Flash Museum realizes she shouldn't be there, uh, and then realizes that she should not be with uh, like Barry should not be trying to take on Paradox, and then gets a message from Commander Cold who who recently passed away, or, or actually was killed <laughs> by Captain Cold, um, and talked about Paradox a little bit and, and how dangerous he is and who the only Flash ever is to beat him. We'll get there in a second. Um, so. We, it turns out that 
Godspeed has been working uh, as a double agent. He flips over to Barry's uh, side and then just immediately gets owned by Paradox, like real bad. Uh, one punch, and he's, he's like beaten into the street. Half his mask is ripped off. Barry tries to fight him as best he can and uh, starts to get lit up. And then Iris tells him to run uh, because the only Flash that's ever beaten him has been Reverse Flash. Um, so Paradox just continues to just keep whooping Barry's ass and just like rips him apart while he's doing it. He's like, oh, there's, you're, you shouldn't be special. The best thing you did was die and you should have stayed dead. It's not the first time we heard that. And there's a huge and beautiful splash page of Paradox just unloading on Barry and his body starts to disintegrate and you see the reaction of a couple of the characters well a couple of characters Iris she's the only one that sees it because Godspeed has been knocked the fuck out uh and Barry wakes up in like this field and is face to face with his mom um and that's where the issue ends so that it was it was crazy I really like this issue I'm gonna go four on that um, of course, it always looks good. I, I like what Josh Williamson does with the story in general. His, his villains have always been kind of interesting, so uh, hopefully he continues that run. And we move on to Superman number 21, uh, where it's a fight between Superman and Mongol, um, which uh, in the last issue is, is a little bit more um, teased. In this one, uh, it's... You know, he starts fighting Mongol for several pages here with no dialogue, and it's fun. You get to see, you know, shots of the two of them fighting with uh, several popped out, really big images. Um, and he realizes that Mongol has him where he wants him, which is not protecting the um, United uh, Planets, basically United Nation of Earths. Uh, it cuts to then Lois, who's cornered by a, a journalist. Because they got video of Superman at the at United Planets, uh, where the video says that it's like, oh, Superman declared himself King of Earth, which he definitely did not do, and uh, <laughs> he it, then it cuts back to uh, to Clark just starts beating the shit out of Mongol, and then uh, and then runs away to stop the war that's a bro- well, mini scuffle. I can't call it a war; it's not a full war. Um, uh, that's broken out between these different um, alien races. And he stops it, and it's good because uh, the Justice League then shows up and helps him calm things down and pick up the pieces because they thought it was suppo- it was going to devolve. Superman starts to fly home and realizes, well, Mongol wanted him away from Earth, really, so he could go to Earth and try and take over. And the very last page of the, is- uh, of the issue is... Lois getting cornered by uh, an FBI agent and uh, <laughs> asking why her husband declared himself king of the earth. And that's it for that. Um, there's a lot of action in here. Uh, I'm going to put it at a three only because those interludes with Lois seem really poorly timed story-wise. Um, like it, that feels like it should be part of a Lois-centric issue um, to me. But you know, we'll see what happens. Uh, moving on to Wonder Woman 753. Uh, this is the finale of a story called The Iron Maiden. Um, so there's a character named Valda who has been displaced at a time. And she's she's going to fight 
with Wonder Woman against this giant metal creature. I don't know if it's like a centaur or no, no, not quite a centaur, but it's it's big and it's got uh, magical powers. Uh, so Diana and Valda start fighting this thing, um, and they're just uh, going back and forth. And and Diana's trying to minimize the destruction because the Boston PD is constantly after her about this kind of thing. Um, in the meantime, in the interim, a uh, it looks like a four horse four horsemen, but four horse women uh, are being assembled against Diana. Um, from a few different characters here. Um, so we'll see what happens um, with that because it's it's kind of um, mysterious in a way. It's very fun, but mysterious. Uh, back with the battle, uh, Valda and Diana um, just will start whooping on this thing. They can't cut its skin because it's like uh, Captain Adam's skin, or if they cut it, they release quantum energy and um, it'll be a huge explosion and kill a whole bunch of people. Um, so Valda eventually sacrifices herself uh, to go. It's supposed to take her back to her time, but there's no control over that now. Um, she goes after her. She goes to whatever point in time this thing takes her to, hopefully hers, but there's no guarantee. And then it wraps up with Diana uh, talking to... Um, the police officer that she's been kind of hanging around. Um, and she just talks about how difficult it was to, to do this because they wanted to bring Valda in. Um, but Diana decided to let her go. Um, and they, they tried to talk about how it wouldn't be fair for her to go to jail and be tried by a jury of her peers because her peers were centuries in the past. Um, and Diana says that it's a decision she'd make, uh, again, which is great, and it wraps up with um, the we, we we wrap up a whole bunch of this stuff with the uh, the horse ladies from uh, Diana's past who are who are fighting. There will be Armageddon, devastation, and genocide, um, which is kind of cool. Uh, I like the names. We'll see what happens there. It's not quite like X Men. Uh, and finally, uh, the issue wraps. With Diana at home, seeing, talking about people that she hasn't been present for. Uh, and then Princess Maxima crash lands in her home, which sets up her next adventure. We'll see what happens in the next issue. Finally, Young Justice number 14. Uh, this is a Bart-centric issue, it feels like to me. Um, he goes and just assembles this huge-ass team while most of the rest of the team is trying to um, fight at this uh, at this location, trying to get Connor back. Uh, so Bart grabs uh, Sideways, who was one of the uh, characters that spilled out of Dark Knight's Metal. Spoiler: uh, Stephanie Brown. He grabs Aqualad. He grabs Arrowette, um, and he he tries to speed them all back. Uh, it cuts to Superboy, and there's a there's a shift in the art here, which is a little bit jarring. Because you're so used to the one style, get like four pages of Bart zipping around doing his thing. And then on Skartaris, it's just, with Warlord, it is just a weird, weird vibe. It's a very cartoony vibe, which doesn't feel like it fits fits the overall aesthetic of the issue. Um, I'm not sure I like that. Um, and then it cuts back to New Mexico, 
where you have the Wonder Wonder Twins style each for hero. Uh, Drake, aka Tim Drake, aka Robin, aka Red Robin, aka Savior. He's had a lot of names. Let's be honest about that. Uh, Amethyst, Ginny Hex, Wonder Girl, Teen Lantern, and Naomi. Uh, and then Bart brings them all, brings them all together, and they storm this base to try and get um, get Connor back. And just as they go to do that, these aliens start popping down out of the sky, setting off this awesome action sequence. Um, and then you get this like speed moment with Bart, who shows up uh, inside the base, and uh, you see how fast he works uh, just to try to get a password. He's just absolutely unreal. Um, and then it comes back outside, more more battle. Um, you get a whole bunch of uh, looks at these powers, Aqualad, Dolly for Hero, and uh, they're they're just trying to hold the fort down while um, Drake goes goes ahead and sends. Um, Impulse and Wonder Girl and Sideways out to go get Connor back. Um, again, get that weird jump in art again. I mean, it doesn't look bad, but it just n- doesn't seem to fit the rest of the issue. Um, so they, they get Connor back, um, and before they go, Warlord is upset because he didn't ask how the shield ended, which shows how long he's been there. And then finally, um, the, uh, the team gets into the base and talks to Dr. Glory. And uh, she says that she can tell the team why no one remembers Young Justice, and she can tell them what really happened. And that's the end of the issue. So I give that a, a four. I think it was really fun to read. Um, actually, I'd probably go three and a half because that that jarring art is uh, a little a little strange for me. Um, so that's that's pretty much it for this week. Um, no no interview this week, which is fine. Um, so. Uh, Wrapping up, I'm uh, going to give you the books I'm looking forward to for next week. So for DC, we have DC uh, Unkillables, I believe it's number three, Nightwing number 70, and the 80th uh, Robin anniversary issue. For Marvel, Captain America number 20, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy number three, and Captain Marvel number 16. So that's all time we have for this week. Of course, make sure you subscribe to The Twisted Cape on any of your fi- favorite podcast platforms uh, so you can catch this show and our regular show, The Twistcast. Or at the Twisted Cape, no spaces on every social media platform, Facebook, the Gram, Twitter, and YouTube. Feel free to shout out, uh, shoot us some uh, feedback on this show, uh, thetwistedcape at gmail.com. And make sure you use the subject line MTS for Mike's Thanks for tuning in. Stay twisted.